Hello, and welcome to the Church Misfit Podcast. We are elated that you decided to join us on this amazing opportunity to learn from the best and brightest leaders from around the world as they spoke at the 2020 Global Leadership Summit. We will break down and give you the highlights after each session of the summit, hearing from the minds of ex-president George W. Bush, Sadie Robertson Huff, T.D. Jakes, Vanessa Van Edwards, Rory Vaden, and much, much more. Of course, we would love your feedback, so let us know really what impacted you to be a better leader in your community. No, seriously, hit us up. We really want to know. Let's get started. It's about time someone gets real. Bro, are you sure we're even supposed to be listening to this? Welcome to the Church Misfit Podcast with motivational and thought-provoking content designed to push you further personally, professionally, and spiritually. If this don't move you, you might be dead. Here's your host, Catalyst Collective founder, Joe Elliott. Welcome to our session one. Welcome to our session one recap of the Global Leadership Summit. We had Craig Groeschel and Beth Comstock on. And so this is going to be a lot of information really quickly. And we're going to have uh, download notes, which is uh, next to the video that you're just seeing here uh, in the notes. So you want to check those out if you want more details. But we're going to hit the highlights and uh, some of the things that stand out to us. So there's a lot in a short period of time. Here we go. Um, so this overall, overarching session one was about innovation, specifically leading through the dip, as Craig Rochelle called it. So let's yeah. set this up with the organizational life cycle, this image that he provided. And you're going to picture a, a bell curve, and there's basically five stages to an organization. Um, so somewhere, whatever organization you're a part of, you're going to have to picture where are you on this bell curve. So it, are you in the beginning stage, birth, as they called it? Uh, which is difficult, lots of uncertainty. Are you in the growth phase? Still difficult, but lots of excitement, right? Things are moving forward and, and you're expanding. And then at the top of this bell curve, there's the maturity stage, right? Things are, you're starting to hit your stride, hit your flow. There's consistency in, in what you're doing. And then on the downside of this curve, uh, an organization normally, it, it, um, they experience uh, a decline. Yeah. That leads to at the bottom end death, right? <laughs> Decline and death, very positive, right? <laughs> and so the dip is somewhere along the lines of post maturity into decline, and and as Craig's talking about the dip, he's talking about how do you lead an organization through some of its most difficult times, whether it's triggered by a, a virus or whatever, a, a recession. Um, you know change is needed, but it, the future is unclear. Um, so, so leading through the dip, he's talking about a, a crisis or whatever arises, and how do you do that well? First of all, um, he's recapping and saying that every crisis, every oppor- it creates an opportunity, right, where things normally get worse before they get better. So it's going to take some courage on your part as a leader, and that that dip could be a, a an attendance dip if you're yeah. you know an event or a church. It could be a efficiency dip, a developmental dip. There's some sort of dip in your organization, and um, and you're going to need some creativity, innovation, and courage to lead through it. So he's giving us four thoughts 
on that. So what are, are those thoughts? What, what jumps out to you guys in, in some of those big picture areas? So do you want to go, let's, how about we go over those four yeah, thoughts yeah. real quick? So you want to do that? Yeah. yeah. So, so the first one is change how we think about change. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so the, the couple of tidbits in there. Uh, you want to hit the four highlights? Yeah, okay, let's, let's do that real quick. So number one, change how you think about change. Um, number two, have the courage to unmake promises. Number three, obsess over the why. And number four, lead with confident uncertainty. All right. So, so now your question was, which one of those, did one of those jump out at us? Yeah, yeah. What, what jumped out at you as we were hearing Craig cover these? Go ahead if you got one. No, I, off the, I, think, I mean, um, right off the bat, the first one, um, probably just it sounds so simple. It's change. I think about change. It's like, of course, why? Like, why would we not? But it literally needs to be like a shifting of a mindset. And like, I've worked in the nonprofit and church world for like close to a decade now, which is kind of insane. And every single time I've seen a organization we partnered with or a church we partnered with that's on the decline they don't recognize they they keep saying we're going to change things we're going to change things but nothing changes it's because you have to <laughs> how we think about change your change is just going to be like we're going to get a new banner or we're going to get like updated seats or like oh we're going to bring in like some dude that has cool clothes and it's like that doesn't fix anything that just prolongs the death and so I just loved how um, they were talking about in the first point where it's like if you really want people to change, like people, they said people don't hate change. They, they hate how people try to change them. And so the, the thing you have to do is you have to like really sit down and just dive into it. And, mm-hmm. I, and I thought that was really interesting was is it's a it's avoiding it's a kind of a death. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's like a healthy death opposed mm-hmm. to the unhealthy end of this curve where it's just like you're done so i love that and i think what's hard for that is two things one is if you've had success in the way things you've done totally and so it doesn't matter if it's like organizationally or individually and we want to hold on to that success like hey Mm -hmm. that worked and i'm gonna keep doing it you know because it worked before Mm -hmm. and so we don't want to change and the other one is that um we hold on to a dream of what could work yeah and and if we continue to hold on to that or if something that was a you know like man that really should have worked and it didn't and it dies right yeah we have a hard time changing from that what could have been mm-hmm. also yeah, yeah. Now, i think those are both forts on either side and craig mm-hmm. said that if you try to hold the fort you may end up losing the war and that is yep. you know wh- whether it is hey we've always done it this way mm-hmm. and we're never or always those kind of statements we're never going to change or we'll always hold to this if you hold on to that too tightly you're missing potentially mm-hmm. the opportunity to adapt that and make it more relevant to the day uh with the same thing you just said kenny if you're if you're holding on um, like locking, the, surrounding the fort of a of an idea for the future that you f- strongly feel it, like it's going to work and needs to work. That's where we're going, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and we're we're almost blinding ourselves to um, you know the possibility that it may not be working, right? Yeah, and, and it may not be the right move. Um, so how you think about change to me sounds like it, it needs to be a very uh, um, you know pliable, fluid kind of concept, um, whereas, you know, great leaders aren't, he mentions this, aren't going to, you can't make it both excuses and progress at the same time. 
Uh, so when you're when you're thinking about change, you've you've got to be, um, you got to let go of the past. And you've got to be willing to embrace a future that you weren't fully prepared for or thinking might happen. If you can get yourself to that point, then you're, you're, you're positioning, you're posturing yourself as a leader um, for great potential of what could be. Um, so that was, that was number one. Let's move to number two. Have the courage to unmake promises. This is tapping into that, those always never type sayings yeah. that we say. Uh, sometimes as leader, we're always going to be this type of company, or we're never going to be like this or that. Um, we don't know that for sure. Uh, so sometimes we have to to go back and um, and and break those promises or be willing to change them. So my thought on that, just real quick, is that that needs to apply to strategy, like okay, not to vision. Yeah, like if you got to be like, no, this is my vision. Like, if your vision is to climb, like a good book is is Michael Hyatt's new book, The uh, Vision Driven Leader, and he talks yeah. about, you know, this climber who's like, you know, his vision was to get to the summit, right? And if you know, there's times where he would have to make, you know, go sideways to be able to keep going mm-hmm. up, and mm-hmm. so that's good. And so it's like. um you know, being able to say, okay, I know that we said this was how we were going to do it, that strategy, but where we're going, you know, is, is still the same, same destination. That's your vision. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I, I think it, it really needs to apply to that. And so I love this analogy of National Geographic because obviously, mm-hmm. you know, I'm the uh, boomer here, the old guy here, <laughs> and I do remember yeah. the stacks of National Geographic and all that kind of stuff. And I, I, I vaguely remember them too, vaguely, although vaguely. they were That's used the as they were used as toilet paper. They're okay, so there we go. Whereas Aaron, I don't know. In the last few months, they were used seen you know, paper. You know, National. Right, right. Do you know yeah. what National Geographic is? Nope, just the, look at the Instagram, the pretty yeah, pictures. Yeah, well, yeah. See, cool photos on Instagram. <laughs> now I have a nine-year-old son, believe it or not, and he his idea of National Geographic is it's one of the options on Disney Plus. It's wow. One, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I did love that um, Craig's example of like the print was popular and then as time changed, um, they needed to change. Right. And I, I just loved how like it's the saying like, oh, we'll never do this. We'll never do this. Yep. It's like, well, if you don't do that, then that fifth stage of that organizational life cycle is going to be death, like an assured death. Right. So I loved how you look at their, like their Instagram has what, 150 million followers because they shifted how they presented and they shifted like who they were. Right. And, and, I, and I think in my own leadership through like church nonprofit business world that I've been in, I've been victim of saying, I'm never going to change. And mm-hmm. five years later, it's like, wow, that was really dumb because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I miss out on opportunities. I missed yeah. out on, on a lot of things. And so the big win for National Geographic is they didn't say, okay, we just need to make our magazines better. Yep. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's but that's the mindset that exists in, in a lot of uh, leaders and a lot of organizations. We just need to do what we had been doing. We just need to do it better. Yeah. And and that's that's that could cause a lot more pain uh, for the future. Um, so l- being willing to uh, un- you know have the courage to unmake some of those uh, legacy type promises and mindsets. And so so number three. Um, Craig's talking about obsessing over the why. Talking about people normally change out of two things: um, desperation or inspiration. <laughs> uh, and and, um, and as uh, a leader who's going to be willing to lead people through the change, you got to understand that, that those are the two motivational factors. 
and that when you're trying to lead people through change, there's going to be critics, bystanders, and advocates, right? And you have to acknowledge each of these three audiences and navigate them accordingly. And specifically, he says, you know, when we educate around the why, we disarm the critics, we educate the bystanders, and we empower the advocates. And, and so a lot of that is, sounds to me like, we've got to do a good job reemphasizing why we're adapting over and over and over again. Yeah. Right. It, um, one of the awesome examples, I've seen that in my own life, is I've worked with you over the course of um, many years working with different projects. And I've, at first, I was so annoyed that you would just say the same vision statement. You would just talk about the why. Literally, like when I was, when I, I moved and started serving with you um, at a lot of our local like ministry opportunities, I was like, why does he spend most of his time talking about the why? But years later, like I'm still here because you took a bystander and you turned me into an advocate because you made me realize that there's a purpose to this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not just like a self-serving thing. So I think that's exactly what Craig was like buying into was um, he was like people could be critical, but then they could also be bystanders. And those two don't actually present any sort of change or help or anything. But when you empower people through like advocacy and like become raving fans and become evangelists, whatever it's called, like those people buy in and years later, like I'm still here because I believe in like whatever that word, the project is ahead of us. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. His, I think that's great. His, so, um, his fourth and final point under leading through the dip was leading with confident uncertainty. What does that mean to you guys? Confident uncertainty. Kenny? Well, first of all, it's just understanding that as a leader, you're not going to always have all the answers. And, and, and Beth, you know, we'll talk about Beth Comstock's uh, interview a little bit, and she talks mm-hmm. about that a little bit, mm-hmm. is that um, – I think that's a downfall of a lot of people who want to be a leader is that they think they have to have all the answers and you don't. And so you have to understand, you have to learn. I think what I wrote down is this is a definitely a learned skill that um, to be able to feel uncertain about, you know, what you're going to do next, but that, that taps back into the, but you have to have a certainty about your vision. Like, Mm -hmm. like he talks about, you you know, you got to know what is it that you do? And Beth Comstock talks about that too. Mm-hmm. And if you if you're certain about that, then you can confidently move forward with this uncertainty about okay, I'm not sure this is the right path, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna I'm gonna go forward with some confidence because the vision is what I'm confident about. Yeah, let's talk. Well, let's talk about this. Is a great segue into Beth's, and we'll leave with some of the questions that Craig leaves us on. But but in, during Beth's interview, author of Imagine It Forward, director at Nike. Uh, tons of great experience. She had uh, a lot of uh, great stories from GE and other places. She talks about this this idea of um, during a period of change or shift, finding a story that gives people hope yeah. mm-hmm. is so important. I think it's part to Craig's point of the uh, of educating uh, people, disarming the critics, empowering your advocates. You got to help people envision why you've chosen the path that you've chosen, even if. You're not 100% sure it's the right path. It's this is our best educated guess and why we're moving forward. And here's some stories as to, you know, why we're doing what we're doing. Um, That's that's at least 
what I heard. She also said something about looking for that spark, someone that can come in and provide a new perspective. So someone that sounds to me that can complement your voice as a, as a leader, and that could be somebody internally, that could be somebody um, externally. Um, mm-hmm. So what are some of those key takeaways from that interview that you guys heard? Um, I loved how she said, live in hypothesis. Yeah. Um, I think that like her section so seamlessly transitioned from Craig's section where he's kind of set the stage mm-hmm. and she was like, now let's start breaking stuff down. Like now that we have that mindset, we have the perspective shift, let's just start blowing things up. And she mentioned that she brought in someone who was a little out of the box um, and to be a consultant. And she said something about like, he just dressed differently. He spoke differently. He viewed things differently. And it was just constantly living and pursuing like, well, what if this works? Like, mm-hmm. what if this doesn't work? What if th- we could do this? And I, I, I was really impressed by that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, It's being willing to approach things from different perspectives. And if all you do is kind of live in your own world, then you will never even entertain different approaches. And so she just gave some really good insights and practical ways of doing that. And, and really the bottom line is just to have a curiosity of how – people see the world differently mm-hmm. and and she gave some very practical ways of doing that mm-hmm. yeah yeah and so some of the some of those practicals that i liked one um she talked about thinking or operating in two different speeds yeah you have part of your mind has to focus on the now mm-hmm. and then you have to intentionally allocate part of your mind or your time to your what's next the future and i feel like coming from um both being in the business world and, and the ministry world, the business world does an infinitely better job of allocating time. Not all businesses, not all organizations, but, but, uh, but they do an infinite better, infinitely better job of allocating the, the what's next part of their brain, whereas in ministry we tend to just hold too long to traditions and, and that end up getting us in this pain of the dip where we wait for things to get really, really bad before we start getting creative and innovating new ways. Totally. Um, and 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 honestly, that's why a lot of ministries have been dying um, for the last twenty years in, in America and around the world. So, so I think that's really important to operate on those two speeds. Um, and, and then something she said here really stood out to me as probably the best part of all, the whole session for me was. Your speed to learn is the new competitive advantage. Yeah, you got to think. You got to think about that for a minute. Bit a minute. Bit. Yeah, got to talk. Let's get my words here. (laughs) Your speed for a minute here. Yeah, your speed to learn is the new competitive advantage. I think that applies across all industries, everywhere. Definitely, and I think those two things for me tie together. And that's first of all, give yourself permission. She used that that phrase yeah. uh, give yourself permission to have time to just think you know because we all have a tendency to do a hundred percent application of right now i have this task list and i need to get through this task list and we don't give ourselves nor our teams whether you're in business or ministry whatever organization i'm going to give you permission also to take about on average 10 percent of your time and just think about what is next and so that that helps a lot and um I love this question that she started asking people. Tell me one thing I don't want to hear. Oh, yeah. And yeah. if you as a leader are willing to do that, not just ask that question, but then to listen 
and to be willing to apply things that are hard that you've heard. A friend of mine, this is on an individual basis, but not too long ago, um, I was asking this group of guys that, that question. Mm-hmm. And his, his one thing he told me is, I think you keep lying to yourself. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, and so it's one thing to ask the question, but it's another one. It's like, okay, all right, I'm hearing what you're saying, but what do you mean by that? Yeah. And being willing to, again, it's the learn thing. I'm going to be a learner, and I'm going to learn fast so that I can fail fast so that I can succeed. Yeah. Totally. Uh, yeah, that's 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 so good. Um, Kenny, these last two, you tell me all the time. So and these, <laughs> are, these are best last two points here. She says, okay, when we're, when we're thinking about innovating, testing out new ideas, start small, start on a small scale to test your ideas and create feedback loops. Yep. Um, why have you found that to be so important? Well, it's another good book. It's the Lean Startup um, book, and it's been around for a little bit. But um, it's that philosophy from there. But, uh, again, it's just what I was saying. Um, one is that we can be in our own world and think, okay, and we have assumptions, what they're talking about, like, or hypothesis, and we think, okay, I think this is what the people need, the world needs. Yeah. And this is, so it's what, what we need to create. And we'll spend all this time creating and developing something and um, and it could take months, and then we get feedback, mm-hmm. and it's crickets a lot of times. Mm-hmm. So what I think is a better approach is to, hey, let's, let's put something out there. It's a minimal viable product approach, yeah. and mm-hmm. let's just get it out there and get quick feedback mm-hmm. so that we can optimize it, mm-hmm. right? Totally. The, yeah. the cherry on top for me was she presented all of that, and then someone came back and said, like, a hypothetical conversation was like, well, how'd you get permission for that from your bosses? And she said, I did it and ask. Mm-hmm. I just did the dang mm-hmm. thing. Like we're talking about with Super Bowl ads, she gave the example of we did a smaller ad in a right. different venue and we saw like data-driven results from exactly. it. So we repurposed that and said, hey, now can we do this? And it's like the bosses are like, you did that already? And it's like, yes, and it works. So we've skipped that whole you bet. <laughs> like dance and show. Yep. Well, let's. So, to recap session one, here are the three takeaway questions that Craig leaves us with. One, what is no longer working and needs to change? We got to we got to think on that. Two, what is one promise you need to maybe unmake as a leader? It's a big three. One. Yeah, what is one risk you're afraid to take? And I think if we all take time to to think through those three, those are really powerful questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's our session one recap. Uh, if you're an individual leader organization out there who is um, struggling to, because you're leading through the dip at yeah. this point, and you're uncertain of what to do, um, how to empower people, engage people, we'd invite you to uh, check out PurposePro.org. We have a series of workshops that are designed to help you and your team understand and uncover their unique DNA. And it is our core belief, as we've experienced this within our own organizations, that when we understand how we're uniquely made and why it matters, it positions us to take advantage of our strengths, mitigate our weaknesses, and and really push forward with innovation and change. And if you are someone who wants to be repositioned, knowing you have the potential to push through where you are, but unsure where all the pieces fit, that's something we can help you with at PurposePro.org. So we back here for our session two recap here in a little bit.
For more free content from Joe and his team of church misfits, visit www.catalystcollective.community.